right, Tomoka. It's so good to see you. Hey, the room's filling back up. This is awesome. This is awesome. We're so glad you're here. If you're still watching at home, we understand that too, and we're glad that you're there. A number of you are in other states, other countries. We really give you a pass. We're glad you're there. And uh, sharing this video in other venues, uh, sharing the Facebook, uh, passing it on. Uh, we're just glad you're there. Palm Bay, the land, thank you for being there. Now, Pedro and Tanya, we don't mince words here. I'll just be really honest with you. They are in South Philadelphia. And if there's a hell on earth, they're in it. And it is deadly. It is dangerous. Um, shootings every night. Heroin needles all over the ground. It's as bad as you can possibly imagine a situation getting. Uh, in Philadelphia, and parts of Philadelphia, the police don't go. No-go zones. Just don't even bother. And it, that's, that's where they work. And that's where they share the gospel one-on-one. That's where they have church services. And uh, they're doing an incredible job. So we're going to pray for them. But we're also going to pray for some of the topics that she talked about. Because some of you here are carrying some of those same kinds of burdens of grief, of anxiety, depression. And we're going to get into this in the message. Some of you sitting at home. Uh, are dealing with it. Some of you aren't here because you're dealing with it, because you've been isolated, you're scared, uh, and all these crazy feelings that you'd have never felt before, suicidal feelings, all this stuff coming on. I need you to know two things. Number one, there's a God who loves you above all of it, and there's a group of people that love you that are here to listen to you and to pray for you and to care for you. So let's let's just start with that prayer. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I... Uh, I thank you for Pedro and Tanya and pray your blessing on their ministry there in Philadelphia. And if it's worse, when they went to New Orleans, we know what a nightmare they had there. And, but Father, I pray you'd strengthen them and their family and their marriage. Now, for all who are dealing with the pain of separation, not being able to do funerals, not... Uh, being able to grieve their loved ones or stuck in grief, thinking about making poor decisions. God, would you let them know today how much you love them? And as we look at your word today about hope and encouragement, would you speak clearly to us? And God's people said, amen. 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 All right. Um, well, we're so glad you're here. We're going to be in Hebrews 10 today. Get your Bibles out, iPhones, iPads, um, just two verses, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. You can read the rest of it for yourself. But it talks about, let us encourage one another. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about today, how to encourage one another, how to spur one another on. But I have a friend, uh, you know, a lot of terrible things have been happening, and he works, he works for an upholstery company. Now, this is strange in our culture today, but they used to fix things, and they have upholstery guns. Everybody know what that is? Yeah. You know, they, like, kind of like a roofer, except instead of roofing nails, they shoot tacks. And a couple weeks ago, he shot himself with his upholstery gun. It's pretty sad. But um, as of this week, the uh, doctors say he's going to be fully recovered. Now, not just 10 minutes ago. See, this is the problem with Christians. Pay attention here. Not just 10 minutes ago, Pastor Cord was on stage and said that you know better than to say, I deserve better than this. All right, the title of the message, everybody know what it is? Lettuce. Lettuce. 
Romaine faithful. As followers of Jesus, we have, listen, we have great responsibilities. We're going to get heavy real fast. So that was your chance to, to, to be light. But as followers of Jesus, do you know how many people are counting on us? There are millions of people that you and I will never meet that are counting on us to get it right. There's people real close to you counting on you getting it right. But there's people all over the world, they are totally dependent on the church of Jesus Christ and they don't even know it. The only thing restraining evil and hell uh, being just blown open in our society is the church of Jesus Christ. Do you see any atheist groups running in to help people during a hurricane disaster? Tornado disaster? Fire disaster? No. No, it is the church that stands between all that is evil and represents all that is good. Well, it's what we're supposed to be. So if we don't fulfill that responsibility, we've ceased to be the church. They used to ask questions like this to the pastors. They'd say, if your church was taken out of the community, would the community even notice? If you were taken out of the church, would the church even notice? That's a question that only you can answer. That's a question only we can answer. But in this passage, in these two verses, remember, the writer is writing to a church in Jerusalem that's only about 20 years old, but they've already lost their love for God. They've lost their passion for God. They've lost their idea about being a mission and being serving. And they, they don't even, honestly, they've got to the point they don't even come to church anymore. They're like, been there, done that. You know why? Because it had just become routine. They hadn't gotten involved. They hadn't gotten passionate. They hadn't, they'd stopped reaching out and helping other people to find Jesus or to rescue them. Listen, the church's job is to rescue those who are about to be aborted, rescue children from sex trafficking, feed those who are hungry, clothe those who are naked. It, our job will never end until Jesus comes back. But if you're just here sitting going, oh, it was, a, it was a lovely service. I cried when that girl told her story and I thought the music was cute. Then you've missed the whole point of being the church. The world is counting on us. Stand with me. Two verses. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider... Let us think about, let us ponder, let us be front of our minds. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not just love, but action. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day? Second coming of Jesus. The day the day. If you don't know the answer to that, you need Jesus right there. All right, you can be seated. So that responsibility, the first thing he says is we need to spur one another on. Now listen, I've only ridden a horse twice in my life. Once I fell off of it, once I couldn't wait to get off of it. All right. And that was just the one at the IGA, but that's, that's another story. But I am not made for, this body is not made for horse riding. All right. I can just tell you that. Um, but I do understand the principles of a horse. When you get on a horse and you have boots on, you have spurs on, the reason you spur the horse is to do what? It is to get the horse to go, get the horse to go faster. And spurs are meant, are you ready? It's sad, I know in, in an age of the, we live in today, it is to get the horse to move. 
All right. It's not meant to make the horse happy. You, when, when you hit him with that spur, it's sharp. And the point of the spur is to get the horse to do what you want the horse to do. Whether you want him to turn, you want him to run faster, whatever it is, you and the horse have this relationship. Now listen, when he says spur one another on, that's the same idea. <clears throat> that means that there are things that if, if people are truly speaking to your life, there are things that are going to hurt. Now I'll tell you, I've got several inner circles for different situations in my life. And if you don't like something and you write me some hateful email or you send me some hateful text, I probably won't pay much attention to it. It'll hurt, but it won't bother me. But if somebody in my inner circle says, Joe, you're an idiot. I mean, I already know that. But if they, if they were to acknowledge that, it would hurt. And I would say, man, you're right. What do, what do I need to do to fix this? Does that make sense? By the same token, when somebody comes along that's inside and says, Joe, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you speaking up for children that are being sex trafficked? Why aren't you speaking up for marriage? Why aren't you standing for the family? Or whatever the topic might be. When people in my inner circle spur me, it gets my attention. Because it's supposed to. And a spur is not meant to make you happy. We get spurred because the world is going to hell. We get spurred because children are a disaster. They're being hurt. They're being, they're being trafficked. You name it, stuff's going on all over the world. And there's only one answer and there's only one way for hope. And that is through Jesus Christ. And that's why you and I are here. We have a responsibility to spur one another on. Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another. Same word. The word encourage, you know what it means? Encourage. To give you courage. Why do I need courage? Because you got things to do. To spur you on. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Meaning the day is coming when it won't be called today. And that's when Jesus comes and he takes us out of here. And there won't be another day for us to be able to do something. Back in 1940, there was a couple. We have their picture here on the screen. Um, a lot of people think they're, they're Chinese, but they're actually Japanese. And uh, these, these Japanese, this Japanese couple was working in Lithuania. You may not even know where Lithuania is. It's in Eastern Europe, little country. But there were several million Jewish people living in Lithuania when Hitler came to power. In fact, three of my favorite people on earth are Lithuanian Jews. Let's see if you know them. Their last name is Horowitz. Mo Shemp and Curly. They were, they were Lithuanian Jews, and their family got out of Lithuania at the end of the 19th century. They moved to New York because of the oppression that was already going on in Lithuania. And then by 1940, Hitler is destroying everything. He's killing Jews everywhere. And you know about the concentration camps and the death camps all throughout Germany and Poland. But they were also all over Lithuania. In fact, during the purge in 1940, Hitler burned one million Jewish Lithuanians. You probably didn't know that. But in 1940, this Japanese couple, and I'm going to give you, I want to give you their names. This is important. Uh, Chayun and Yukiko Sugahara. There you go. You want to look that up. 
they had diplomatic status in Lithuania as Japanese. And they spent 20 hours a day writing visas to get Jewish people out of Lithuania. Handwritten visas, 20 hours a day for 30 days before Hitler closed the door. For 30 days, for 20 hours, they wrote. And when they finally were forced out, the wife said, I'm so sorry, I cannot write anymore. In 30 days, they saved 6,000 lives. And today, there are 100,000 descendants of those people that are alive because of those two people. Isn't that a great story? All right. Very similar to Oskar Schindler, the stuff he was doing down in, in southern Poland. But it's a story that nobody knows. Nobody hardly knows that there are all these Jewish people were there in Lithuania. But what happened? You see, I'm sure these people did other things in their life. But in 30 days... God used them to rescue 6,000 that today is over 100,000. wonder how many people we can impact. If I rescue one and you rescue one and we rescue a couple more over here and a few more people find Jesus over here and they pass it on and one of those guys becomes a pastor and this child gets rescued from slavery... Do you see the impact and the importance of why? See, they, could have, they were fine. They could have left. But for 30 days, for 20 hours a day, can you imagine? Their hands were cramped and they just kept writing because they were rescuing people. Now, we're to that point in the year where we do the Samaritan's Purse shoeboxes. One of my favorite ministries, even more so now after I got to go to Peru and see it on the other side. I got to see the distribution end. I got to sit with the children. I got to be there when they led those kids to Jesus Christ. I sat there when they said, Joe, you don't understand. This is the present they'll get. And I said, okay. No, no, no. They said, this is the only present they will ever get in their lifetime. This is it. And to watch these kids open the box and the joy and the excitement, but then watch the gospel being presented. And then a 25-year-old boy stood up and he said, let me tell you, I was... The first one, the first year Samaritan's Purse came to Peru and he said, they handed me a shoebox and he said, I was on my way to the gang life. He said, I was already pretty much solidified. He said, I accepted Jesus. Now he runs the Samaritan's Purse operation in Peru and he pastors churches there in Peru because somebody who known only to God sent a shoebox 13 years ago. And it ended up in this kid's hand in Peru. Now, this is where I challenge you. On our staff, there's about 70 of us on the staff. That's part-time, full-time, three campuses, all over the place. Um, we're gonna do, we've committed to do 1,000 shoeboxes. We have no earthly idea how we're going to do it. We have no, well, we have a plan. But, so I'm challenging the rest of the church to do 2,500. Now... That sounds like a lot, but I'm going to give you another story. In a place called Wild Peach, Texas. Anybody know where Wild Peach, Texas is? I'll give you the lettuce if you know where Wild Peach is. All right, can we at least admit it's probably not Dallas or Houston? All right, Wild Peach, Texas. There's a church that runs 51 
That's their average attendance last year. That church did 11,139 shoeboxes. Well, I wasn't satisfied with that. I wanted to know how. So I found out. You know what they did? They networked the entire town. They used everything they had. You're in a bowling league, you get your bowling team to help. You're in a, you're in a, you're in a tea group with ladies. Who doesn't want to help children? Right? And they just started putting the word out in this group and that group and they'd get together. And the next thing you know, 11,000 shoeboxes. Based on averages, that's about 8,000 kids that accepted Jesus last year. And then who knows what will happen in their lives as they grow up. This is, you talk about an investment in the kingdom of God. So we gave away every box we had last night. Uh, you, you can use any shoebox. Okay? You don't have to have this one, although we have 2,000 more that will be here next week. But I want you to pray about, all right, I've always done one. Can I do 10? I've always done 10. Could I do 100? Can I get a group? Maybe a group of us could get together. I bet the group of us could do 500. I don't know. But then I turned this over because I kept this for a whole year. At the Oscars this year, you know, everybody that's getting an Oscar, they're like multi, 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 multi-millionaires. Would you agree with that? All right. Their swag bag. Now, they're already making millions, but they live to get their little prize packages at the Oscars. The swag bag was worth $148,000. This is the only present these kids will ever get, but we give them Jesus with this box. All right. I guess that's enough of my soapbox. There you go. All right. All right. So you never know whose lives that you're going to touch. But in Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, you ought to know this verse. It says, by grace we're saved through faith, not of works that anybody could boast. It is the free gift of God so that we can do works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. What did he say? Let us consider how to spur one another on to love and what? Did you guys bring a Bible? Love and good deeds. Oh, well, we love each other. That's great. Doing shoe, doing shoe boxes? That's good deeds. See, see the difference? Oh, we love each other so much. We take each other to lunch. Nice. But that's not the church. The church is when we get out there and say, okay, it's our time to connect with the world. So we spur one another on. And then he says, let us not give up. Let us not give up what? Well, if you read the section, not give up meeting together. The church was bored. The church stopped coming. And if, just for the record, if you don't know why when Charles and Melanie and I, when we design services, we sit down and talk and plan, the first thing we do is say, how do we change something? Because we don't want you to know what's coming. We don't want it to look like last week. Because if it's the same thing every week, and we've all been there, you're like, okay, change up a couple of songs, I see the same people, shake the same hands, and we're out the door, and nothing ever changes. And eventually, one day, you say, why bother? You know what? And I would agree with you. I, why bother? Simply because I love Jesus. But, but the whole point is that they, you meet together for encouragement. 
for strengthening. And listen, let me tell you what this pandemic is planning to do. I'm not blaming people. I'm telling you what Satan's plan is. All right. It looks like about half the churches in America are going to close because of this pandemic. They just can't survive financially, physically. They're just going to end up closing. They can't pay their bills. They can't pay their, they can't pay the staff. And on the rise, abuse, child abuse, spousal abuse, alcoholism, drugs, um, suicide. It's all off the charts. You know why? Because Satan's got people isolated. And you and I were never meant to be isolated. That's the whole point of the church. Don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing because we were not meant to be isolated. And don't miss what Satan's trying to do is to isolate the body of Christ. So I can go to Walmart, but I can't come to church. I don't know why you'd go to Walmart, but that's, that's just another story. Every time I go there, it's like, wow, this is craziness. Uh, I really like online. Things just come to me. I really like that. I really like that plan. But, but isn't that interesting? But people, people that will go to Publix and they'll go to Walmart and they'll go to Aldi. That's my hangout. They'll, they'll go to all those places but not come to church because it's too dangerous. I was flying on airplanes this week. I'm thinking, well, why can't I fly on an airplane but people are afraid to come to church? Listen, if you're at home and you're sick, listen, I, got a, I even got a, a text from somebody last night. If you're sick, like the person I talked to last night, no, you should stay home. You should protect yourself by all means. But understand, you've got to find some way of connection. Because if Satan can get you isolated, he will eat you alive. And that's exactly what the plan is. So... If you're here and you know somebody that, that is isolated, because they have to be, their age, their health, my, my parents and, and my mother-in-law, three of those people, get on the phone. Talk to them. Find other ways to have a video chat with them or, or find a way to I don't know, wear six masks and have a cup of coffee with them if that's what you got to do. But, but we were never meant to be separated. Power happens when the church meets together. And that's why he says, let us not give up meeting together, which some are already in the habit of doing. You've talked to those people. I don't need to come to church to be a Christian. You're right. You're right. Hopefully I'm a Christian all week long. I'm a Christian when I go to Aldi. I'm a Christian when I go to Walmart. I'm a, I'm a, hopefully, not, sometimes I have a harder time when I'm there, but, but, but hopefully I'm a Christian everywhere I go. And yes, I can be a Christian in the woods and at the ocean, but there is a specific command to not give up meeting together because you need to be with other people who are holding true. Oh, Jesus is Lord. There is one way. There is something. There is truth about a husband and a wife in a marriage. There is jo a job that only the church can do, and I'm here to partner. And, oh, it's so good to see Mary over there worshiping. Haven't seen her for a while. She's over there. Oh, I saw her crying. I need to go over there and talk to her. You can't get that if you're not here. And that's, that's the power. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been giving a living hope. And some of you are sitting at home and you're wondering why, 
Why do I do this? How, how do I hold on? Reach out. There are people that are ready to talk to you, pray with you, encourage you. Whatever. We'll, if you want us to stand outside the door and have the conversation through the door, we'll do it that way. But don't let yourself get isolated because the hope that we have in Jesus and that what we share together, that's why people say things like, hey, let's get a cup of coffee. They don't say, hey, why don't you go somewhere and I'll go somewhere and we'll see what happens. I know you're really hurting. Why don't you go across town? Hey, man, I I know you're having a hard time. You want to have a cup of coffee? Want to have lunch? That's what the church of Jesus does, my friends. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You remember Churchill, a great speech in 1940. You know the speech, you may not know the context. Uh, Never, never, never give up. If the British Empire were to last a thousand years, this will be her greatest hour. Here's what you may not know. Churchill was the only one that believed in fighting. The rest of the English government, everyone, said, just surrender. Just surrender. Surrender to Hitler and try to get good terms. He'll be nice to us. And Churchill said, you're kidding me, right? You see what's happening in Austria? Do you see what's happening in Poland? Do you see what's happening in Czechoslovakia? The French folded up like a cheap card deck and they gave in and Hitler moved in and is destroying the French culture and the British said, we just need to give up too because they were, they were bombing London day and night. It's in that context when things are at their absolute worst And nobody else has the courage to talk about hope that Churchill stands up and says, never, never, never give up. If the British Empire were to last a thousand years, this will still be known as our greatest hour. There was no hope when he made that speech. That speech is what got America into the war. That speech rallied the the English people. And it changed everything because one person brought hope. Folks, that's what Jesus did for the whole world. He brought hope for the whole world and said, because of the cross, because of the blood I've shed, this will be your greatest hour. So if you've not accepted Jesus, we want you to do that. And you can, you can hit the button. I've decided if you're watching online, uh, on this side, you, just for prayer. Last night there were folks just came up and said, I just need prayer. I'm hurting. Just like some of the stuff we've talked about already. If you need to accept Jesus, you come over here. They'll answer your questions, make things clear to you. But then the last thing he says is let us continue to encourage one another and even more so as we see the day approaching. Now listen. I don't know. When I went to seminary, they did not give me the date of Jesus' second coming. I don't have it. I know we're a lot closer than we were because we're here and it's not then, it's now. Uh, And certainly circumstances would make me think we're getting closer and closer to that day. Notice that again. He said, the closer you get, the more passionate you need to be about encouragement. And again, encouragement, we think, oh, a boy. No, no, no. Encouragement to give each other courage. To give each other courage to stand for Christ, to not give up. 
to be willing to take persecution and abuse and say, no, I know what I believe, I will have courage, and I will take my stand. Therefore, encourage one another. Build each other up, just as you are doing. Interesting words. But he writes it after he's talked about the second coming. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verse 13 to the end of the chapter, Paul explains the whole deal about the second coming of Jesus. The dead in Christ will rise first, then those of us who are alive will be caught up into the air to meet him. We'll all connect. We'll, it, this world will be left behind. We will celebrate. And then Paul says, be encouraged. Remind each other to have courage because this day is coming soon. Here's a picture of the San Andreas Fault. You know this one pretty well. I mean, what do you want to pray for? we got two hurricanes coming. Um, besides what happened in Deland, and Pastor Michael's done an incredible job this week of rallying our, our troops over in Deland. They're working again today. They have a huge service project over there, uh, helping people clean up, and they're feeding people and passing out water. Uh, our building got hit. All the electronics got blown out uh, this morning. That was a bonus lightning strike uh, from yesterday. Um, but nonetheless, church is going on and the kingdom is rolling on. If you want to help with that, you can give to the Disaster Relief Fund. That's a, that seems to be a forever thing. Uh, we've got two hurricanes uh, getting ready to hit Louisiana and Texas. i got friends in Northern California. They sent me a picture outside their porch and there's fires coming from all three sides. It's still a little ways out, over a million acres on fire. San Andreas Fault. I grew up on the new Madrid Fault. You maybe never even heard of the new, new Madrid Fault. It's more likely to go off before the San Andreas. If the new Madrid Fault goes off, literally from Memphis to St. Louis will cease to exist. That's where I grew up. Romans 8.22 says that the earth groans. The earth is groaning. Why? It says the earth is groaning waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. The only reason it hasn't all collapsed is because God's waiting for the last person who's going to accept Jesus to do it. Now, for God's sake and mine, if it's you, let's get this done. All right? Last story. This is Cecil Todd. I, I won't call Cecil a friend. I, I would like to, uh, but I'm very new. Cecil's 90 years old, and uh, he's been preaching since he was about 16. He once got to preach in Red Square. To my knowledge, he's the only man that's ever gotten to preach in Red Square in Moscow. Preached to three million Russian soldiers. Shared the gospel, gave them all Bibles. He's led millions of people to Jesus. Very people know his story. You know Billy Graham, but he's sort of that way. And he's still pastoring a church in Branson, Missouri. He preaches two or three times a week. He shouldn't be alive, only through the miracle of God. He's been through so many bouts of cancer. And people said last week, they said, Cecil, why don't you just retire? This is his answer, and this is what I'm going to finish with. He said, when hell is burning as hot as it is, how could I ever retire? Father, I pray that as a church we would understand the responsibility that we have. That we would spur one another on to love and good deeds. 
that we would not give up meeting together and we would encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Holy Spirit, I can't change anybody's heart. Nor do I want to. I want to, it needs to be from you. Whether they need to accept you, whether they need to become shoebox fillers, that's up to you. You work. In Jesus' name.